0: Been in a study of the book of Ephesians. We have made our way to chapter 4 and we have come through a grand opening uh, of the calling of the church that Paul has made declaration of. Paul is speaking to the nations and he's declaring unto them that the church was not a secondary thought, an afterthought of God. It was not some plan B that God had made because Israel failed. It was something predestined before the beginning of time, something God had designed and purposed out of His sovereign will and that we, the nations, have now come into this time. And as we can read in Ephesians chapter 4, we see that Paul says this, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Whenever you have the word, therefore, You have the sense that there's something that is coming to conclude what has been before this conversation. Therefore, therefore what? How are we going to walk according to this calling? He says, therefore, since we were called, since we were predestined, if you will, he declares from chapter one, since you were predestined before time began by the grace of God, and that God had called this time for all nations to come in through Messiah. Therefore, he says, since knowing the hope of your calling, the rich inheritance of that position you have in Him, and the power of God for you in the Messiah, therefore, since we were once dead in sin, and are now seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, therefore, once we were joined together now with Israel to be one new man in Messiah, therefore, since we were a hidden mystery in God and now revealed and on display for all principalities and powers therefore since we may know uh, and display the breadth the height the length the depth of his love and being filled to the fullness of God therefore since we know all this we need to walk worthy of that calling that's where we've been brought to the scope of this vision is tremendous it takes us before time in eternity and says that God had purposed you for this day and this hour the lavish love he poured on us that we would be seated in Christ a new man a new being on planet earth through Jesus therefore he says let us walk worthy of that calling does does anybody feel a little bit overwhelmed concerning that calling I, I know that some of you feel that you were called to be a policeman. Some of you were called to be politicians. Some of you were called to be moms and called to be dads. Great things, all of us. But unless you understand that you were called by God to be in the body of Christ, you're hitting too low on the bar. We have got to understand the high calling that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen? Church, this is an amazing thing. Look around you. Look at the people that are in the body of Christ. Here we are. The called from eternity past into reigning with Christ in eternity future. This is an awesome concept. Let's walk worthy of that calling. Amen? I'm tired of mediocrity. I want to move into the high calling of God. We should have that expectation on ourselves since God has that expectation of us. And He didn't leave us weak. He gave us the very power of His own Son that raised Christ from the dead. So it's in us. And we're able to do this great thing. But how? How do you walk worthy of this calling? I'm glad you asked that. He goes on and he says this with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Bottom line is, we can't do this on our own. God didn't call one person, He called a body. The body of Christ. Now, we can't do it in and of ourselves. We have to be placed into Christ Jesus who can and will accomplish all things to the will of His Father. And so we're in Christ doing this, but it's not a solo act. We need each other. This is going to be something that will be done by the body corporate. All of us. That means, therefore, we need humility. We need gentleness with each other. We need a lot of patience. How many of you know that? We need a lot of patience with each other because we're not going to go forward unless we're all going. That's not an easy thing, is it? You ever lead a group on a sightseeing tour, right? You ever see people on sightseeing tours? I like this when I go overseas and you'll see different tourists and they all have like red hats on and the leader has flags, you know. Remember those bicycle flags that the, the leader carries one of those. How many of you ever seen that? And they all have matching t-shirts and they're all going <laughs> Right? And there's always two or three behind, staggering, or taking pictures. And they've got to wait. Come on, we're moving on now. How many of you know that happens in the spirit? <laughs> Jesus, our captain, is walking forward, moving us forward, and we're all, we're all just gone. <laughs> okay. We're doing this together. That's why we've got to cultivate a unity among us this has got to be done it's unfortunate that the devil understood it and has wreaked havoc on the unity of the church and so on this corner we've got this group of people who won't connect on that corner with that body of Christ who won't connect on that corner with that body of Christ you see how many churches are around here praise god for that many churches but it's unfortunate that we can't get along we won't even talk to each other cuz you sprinkle and we dunk Seriously? And so what God says is we have to do this with humility. Would you lay down your highfalutin thing and consider your brother or sister? Would you be gentle with someone who's maybe struggling? And would you help them so that we can move along? Would you be patient? Let's get there, brothers and sisters. Let's get there. Bearing one another in love. Let's not kill the wounded. Let's heal them. Let's strengthen them. Let's pull them along. And so we must have absolutely the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The bond of peace. The bond of order and shalom. There needs to be leadership. There needs to be direction. There needs to be vision. There needs to be those who will obey. Those who will respond. This is really hard in America because we're taught to be independent. Rugged individualism. You can't tell me what to do. And believe me, I get that all the time. Folks come to me for counseling. I tell them, I really feel this is what the Lord would have you do. And they come with an option. Maybe I'll listen, maybe I won't. Okay. I've come to learn. You're going to do what you want to do anyways. And folks do. And so a month later, they come back worse shape than they were before. Did you do what I asked you to do? No. Because we're going to make it on our own. We need to learn. Uh, the church really needs to learn leadership and obedience. A servant's heart. Listen to the leadership. Listen to the vision. Obey. It's not a democracy. It's awfully quiet in here. <laughs> we don't elect Jesus. Right? We must follow. Find someone who has a godly leadership. Obey, follow, serve. Serve. And uh, understand this, if you could, could I speak to the young people, the graduates, could I I encourage you, if you could learn to submit and obey, you're going to go far in life, really far. And what happens to the person who learns how to submit and obey, you will rise to the top in leadership. Because people who learn how to submit and obey, their bosses, will learn how to, Run efficiently the corporation or the business, and the boss will appreciate you, see that, and elevate you. This is how it works rebellion will always keep you under oppression. These are spiritual principles understood in the law of the kingdom of God. Could I encourage you to follow them and understand them? There needs to be unity in the spirit in the bond of peace. And what he's saying is this we must be the church. Walk according to that high calling we have. We're the church. How many of you know that right now, sitting in this room, are world leaders? We are world leaders. We are going to be ruling. This is crazy. Get used to it. But in eternity, we will be ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ. How about that? If we don't learn now how to submit and obey, what positions are we going to get there? Right? Right? We need to be the church, so we have to guard the unity. Guard the unity. We can have opinions about each other, but let's not our opinions go into uh, shaming. Uh, let's not have our opinions of each other go into gossip or slander. You know, you don't have to like me. That's fine. We don't have to be pals and friends. But we need to be the church together. And we need to accomplish what God wants to accomplish, right? Amen? Amen. And and so let's guard the unity. Don't let the enemy come in. I'm reminded of a story in World War II when uh, there was a small church in Poland and they went through a church split Because they were arguing about pews or furniture or something. And so the board split up and they were angry with each other. But when they got invaded and the enemy came in and brought them together and began to want to divide the church and split them up according to what they had heard was the division, those elders would not speak against each other. Oh, they may have, disagreed, may have disagreed on the color of carpet or pews, but when it came to guarding the faith, they stayed solid one for another and would not speak against another. We can have differences, brothers and sisters. I'm not saying that. Of course we can. We can even have arguments. You do in your marriage, but you stay together, don't you? For the sake of the unity of your home. And you learn to love even in the midst of a disagreement. Let's learn to be the church and guard our unity. Amen? Now, what is the unity of the Spirit and the bond of love that he's talking about that we're supposed to guard? He lists seven of those. So with all humility and gentleness, patience, bearing one another in love, guarding the unity of the Spirit, what are those seven bonds of unity that we're to guard? How do we do that? With all humility, patience, bearing one another in love, the seven ones in this next portion of Scripture is what we're to have in unity. It's what we're to guard and it's who we're to be. And so he lists them now. He says this, he says that there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope. That belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's our bond of unity in the Spirit. So guard your doctrine well, Paul told Timothy. What is it we're supposed to guard? What is it that sets us apart as the church? Seven is the number of perfection. Here is the perfection of our unity. Number one, we are one body. There is one body of Christ. There are not splinter groups of the body of Christ. There's not someone who's more a part of the body and less a part of the body. We may have differences in some of the doctrines, but the essential doctrines we must have complete unity on. And that is how someone is saved and by what means we are saved. And so we have one body of Christ. This church has never segregated itself from other believers. We believe in working with churches together. We believe in working with different denominations. Because the denominational differences are 5% of the whole of what we agree on. We're not going to splinter away from that. Guard the body of Christ. Amen? And work together in the body of Christ. How many of you have brothers and sisters in the Lord at work that you work with that are at a different denomination? But in the secular workplace, you're the body of Christ, aren't you? Right? We'll purposely and rightfully so avoid those topics that may bring some level of uh, you know, distance or uh, dissension or whatever. We, we don't need to do that. In the workplace, we're one body. Amen? And I can come together with someone else who's a non-Pentecostal, and I don't have a problem in worshiping my Lord Jesus Christ with them. Amen? Amen? amen and if someone sprinkles I don't have a problem preaching at that church if I dunk I sprinkle two I just go for all of it get them wet that's all I say whatever what about being in one spirit there is only one holy spirit by which the body of Christ is sealed with right And since there's one body, there's one spirit that motivates that body. I've been with people that uh, that are contentious in the faith. They're the ones who draw the lines and say you're not, and we are. That's fine. You do what you need to do. God bless you. You're still my brother, well, you think I'm am or not, but you're still my brother. I'm going to keep working in the field. I'll, you can join me or you can work on that side. I don't care. I'm just going to get the job done. But there's one spirit in the body, right? There is one hope. What is our hope? That The hope of Jesus. That's our blessed hope, the return of Jesus Christ. And there is one Lord, okay? There is one Lord and head of the church. There is one mediator between God and man. Who is it? The man, Christ Jesus, amen? One Lord. One hope, one spirit, one body. There is one faith. There are not many ways to get to God. God didn't open up any other avenues except through His Son, Jesus Christ, who He predetermined before the beginning of time that through Christ all flesh could be saved, whosoever will if they call upon the name of Jesus. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Joseph Smith, not William Taz Russell, but Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. One Lord, one faith, and there's one baptism. What that means by one baptism, it doesn't mean the mode of baptism. It means the entrance of salvation into the faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the only means by which we are saved. It is faith in his blood that saves us. It's not faith and works. It's not faith and penance. It's not faith and anything else. It is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and being immersed in Him on the cross that saves us. Amen? Our identify our identification in His Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection. That's our baptism. Amen? And of course, there is one God and one Father overall, God the Father who is maker of heaven and earth. I could go into the Apostles' Creed and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. Right? Amen? And so, this is the unity and the bond of faith we are to keep in this earth. We have a treasure. We have, as stewards, the mystery of God given to us in these seven spirits, seven senses of the unity of the Spirit that we are to keep. We're to be the keepers, stewards of this purpose in the earth. We can't lose it because we live in a particular society. That's what's happening in the United States. Many churches are no longer guarding the faith. They're weakening in each one of these areas, and we cannot fellowship where you walk out of this unity. That's where the line begins to get drawn. Then, you see, you're not part of the body if you're telling me it's Jesus and someone else. I will be courteous to you. I will be polite with you. I will discuss with you. I would love to pray with you. But we're no longer a part of the body of Jesus Christ if you say it is Jesus and something else by which we're saved. Can't do it. It's not the Bible and the Book of Mormon. I can't accept the pearl of great price and call you brother. When I used to work at General Motors, Um, There was a designer there that was a Mormon. He was of the Melchizedek order, so he was on a, a higher level in the Mormon church. And he knew that I was a believer and that my heart was towards pastoring. And we would have a lot of discussions. We were friends. I enjoyed his company. He enjoyed mine. But a lot of times he'd come into our studio or I'd see him in the hall and he'd say, hey, brother, how are you? And one day I had to say, I need you to do me a favor, I need you to make sure you do not call me brother because I am not your brother. And I don't want any confusion among these people who don't know the difference between Mormonism and Christianity. You're not my brother. I love you. Let's talk. But I know what you're up to and I can't allow it. (laughs) Don't call me brother. And I had to do that. Now I did it with all humility and all patience. We need to correct things but we've got to preserve The unity of the Spirit for a clarity. Now, I thank God. You know, something, a switch flipped in me just this last week. I was very upset with the way the nation's going. I was very upset with with how things are against the church. And something changed within me. I'm actually rejoicing now. Not for the failure of America to fall, but in fact that the understanding of who the church is is getting more and more accurate. No more hiding, brothers and sisters. And as what's going to happen is we're becoming more and more of an irritation in this nation's side. And so the line is becoming more and more distinct. And I see that as a good thing. Because now we're going to see the, the light of the glorious gospel shine brighter. Even as the enemy grows larger, I know one thing. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And there's a greater distinction coming to the church. These lines are now going to be drawn. I'm in fact rejoicing because the unity of the church is going to increase wherever there is persecution. That's been happening around the world already. But let's move on. We are not left without help For this unity. So what Paul goes on to say is that by his good grace and his gifts, God gave us gifts so that we can grow this unity in strength to its full maturity. How are we going to be one in the bond of the Spirit and be strong in this world? Well, this is how. He goes on and he says this. But grace was given, I'm in verse 7, to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led hosts of captives. He gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Stop right there. Jesus rose from the dead. How many of you are in agreement with that? All right, we've got a bond of peace here on that. Unity on that. He ascended into heaven. Why? Why did Jesus ascend into heaven? Do you remember when he told his disciples, it is better that I go to be with my Father? Why did this verse tell us? Why did he ascend to heaven? So that he may what? I read it to you. Did you remember? I'll give you a cheat sheet. Read your Bible. (laughs) That he may what? Fill all things. Take a week off and study that. That Jesus may fill all things. The glory of Christ, it is the design and purpose of God that God would elevate Jesus to the highest position in all. That all would call Him Lord. He is seated above all and has the highest name in heaven and in earth and below the earth so that Christ may fill all. How is He going to fill all things in heaven and earth and below the earth? With His body. Who is His body? Us. We are. This is the plan of God, that the church would grow, the church would increase, the church would enlarge, the church would rise up, and we being Christ's body will fill all things in the universe. Who's going to inherit all things? We are. We're going to inherit the earth. We're going to inherit the heavens. All things that God has made are going to become ours. And so we are in Christ. Christ is in us. And as we grow, we will be in all things. That's awesome, isn't it? He's using us to elevate Christ in all things. How are we going to do this? He's given us gifts in order to accomplish this so that He might fill all things. And in verse 11, it says this, He gave us, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Wow! To full stature! So that He'd be all in all. He gave us this fivefold gifting that we would be able to, as the body of Christ grow up into the maturity, and fill all things for Christ. Wow, we got a job ahead of us. Now, this five-fold ministry, I'm sure you've heard of it before, right? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He's given us those graces to the body of Christ to accomplish this. Now, how do those five gifts accomplish this thing that God wants done? Well, he says this, Number one, to equip the saints. All right, so this five-fold ministry is going to equip us to accomplish maturing His body into its fullness. Right, we've got to stop there for a minute. Eh? We don't think that we're the body of Christ. We don't really grasp. I don't even fully grasp the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. Now we think of that simply as an analogy we're the body of Christ, you're a hand, you're a foot, you're an eye, you're a nose. It's an analogy. We all need to work together. And Paul uses that in an analogy. But there's another portion of scripture in 1 Corinthians 6 where he gets very literal with it. He says, do you not know that you are a member of Christ's body? And he says, literally, a member, a member, a part and that, he goes into this, he even says in 1 Corinthians 6, he even says that if a brother, if a man would join himself to a prostitute, he is joining Christ to a prostitute. God forbid. Do you see how literal he's saying we are the body of Christ? Do you understand that when he says we're the body of Christ, we are Christ on earth? We are vessels of honor that hold the presence of Christ. Christ. Now, I don't become Jesus Christ and He doesn't become me. I hold Christ in me by the Spirit. But I am the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Everything that Jesus wants to accomplish in the earth, He will do through His body. We belong to Him. You were bought with a price. You are no longer your own. Therefore, glorify God in your what? Bodies. We're not getting this. We've got to get this. What comes out of your mouth represents Jesus. What you do with your hands represents Jesus. Where these feet walk, it represents where Jesus walks. Wow, we've got to take hold of this. We've got to grow up. We've got to mature. And he gave us the five-fold ministry to cause us to mature and get this, to equip us for this. And he's been working at it for 2,000 years equipping the body of Christ to get more mature get more mature get more mature wow he says secondly it's going to build this five-fold ministry is going to build the body into maturity we're going to we're going to grow strong he's going to feed us good food healthy food holy spirit food word of god food so that we grow up and we're building up the strength of the church. Look at we may see that our secular society in the United States is going wacko and getting crazy secular and moving into sin in in measures like we haven't seen before, but I want you to know the body of Christ in other nations and in other parts of the world is maturing and growing in power and might. There may be a remnant here, but I want you to know wherever there is, the true body of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's growing and maturing. We're growing and maturing. You with me on that? Amen. I know you are. And last of all, this fivefold ministry is going to mature us. I'm excited to see what we're going to become. I'm excited to see these high school graduates who have committed their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're being equipped. They're being built up and they're maturing. And that's what we look like to Jesus. He's building us up. This is a positive message of what God's doing with us. So He gave us these graces to accomplish that. So that even where sin would abound, these graces are going to much more abound. And These are glorious gifts that God has given us. Why did He give them to us? For this very reason, let me read it to you. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. There's the church. The church who doesn't embrace the five fold ministry, who doesn't, be, who doesn't receive it to be equipped, built up, and matured, is like a baby in a floaty toy. What happens when a big old man jumps into the water next to that kid? Cannonball! What happens to that kid? And for many who will not move in the equipping and in the maturing of the church, that's us. Babies floating in a a stormy sea. Not good, is it? Usually whining and crying. We shouldn't be a little baby in a floaty toy. This is what we should be, walking on water in the full stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we're headed, brothers and sisters. That's what we're supposed to do. Can you get this analogy that Paul's talking about? God wants us to walk rightly according to the calling that we have. Are you getting this? Putting it together now. He wants us to walk uh, circumspectly according to the high calling that we've had. He took us four chapters to get to explain this huge calling that is upon our lives. And he said, "Look at you. Need to do this. You need to do it with humility and patience, keeping the bond in the spirit, keeping unity together. Let's do it together. Why? But you." Don't have to do it on your own. I'm going to give you the graces of the five-fold ministry to accomplish this so that you will no longer be like this and not fearful or afraid of what's coming to your society, what's coming in your city, what's coming at you. But you will not only be tossed, you will not be tossed to and fro, you will walk on the troubled waters. And you'll say to the wind, be still. And you'll say to the storm, shut up. Amen? Amen. This is where we're headed. He said this fivefold ministry will bring us into the full stature, the full development of Jesus Christ. Now, that is amazing. Let's take a look at this fivefold ministry very quickly. I have an entire series on the fivefold ministry. If you haven't heard this teaching, I would encourage you to purchase it from the CD room so that you could get up to speed on it. I spent about five weeks, that would make sense, wouldn't it, on the fivefold ministry. But I'm going to go over it very quickly to keep it in context of the message. He said, I gave you the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, to equip you so that you'd be built up and mature into the stature, the full embodiment of Christ on earth. That's what he's saying, brothers and sisters. The full embodiment of Christ's presence in the earth so that we would fill all and be in all. Does that make sense to you? You got that? It's an amazing thing. Now, what is amazing is that DNA itself is made up of five components. Deoxyribonucleic acid. I'm sure you've discussed that this morning on the way to church. And what's interesting is within the structure of the DNA are the five uh, molecules of ribonucleic acid. And the there is a spine, if you will, or a key element to DNA, which would be the apostolic and all the other ribonucleic acids attached to it. And so you have apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Now, many people see this as individual persons and leaders in the church, that there is an apostle for this church and A prophet's office and an evangelist and a pastor and a teacher. I see it more as the full DNA of God within the body of Christ. This represents the very DNA of Jesus. Jesus was the apostle, he was the prophet, he was the evangelist, he was the pastor or shepherd, and he was the teacher. Now, we have people who are going to have those callings and that emphasis in their DNA. Every one of us who is born of God's Spirit has whose DNA in us now? Jesus. You have this fivefold DNA. The church needs to understand that the church universal cannot advance the kingdom unless we begin to move in the very DNA of Jesus. Jesus. It's not our plans and schemes, it's the apostolic plan, the prophetic plan, the evangelistic plan, the shepherding plan and the teaching plan of Christ in his body that will accomplish this. God will raise up leaders in the apostolic, he'll raise up leaders in the prophetic, why? Because they need to teach apostolic to the body of Christ. We need prophets to teach the prophetic to the body of Christ. We need shepherds to shepherd the body of Christ. We need teachers to teach the body of Christ how to teach. Does this make sense? But we don't have to isolate them as people and trophies that are separate from everybody else. They're activating this DNA within all of us. And so you may have a slant or a bent towards a particular move of DNA in you. My kids have my DNA in them. My kids have my uh, complexion and my type, but they're not all like me. They have maybe a bent towards something else and and some other means, but they have my DNA. It's the same in the body of Christ. And so you're going to be lit up. Some of you love the apostolic stuff. So you kind of find yourself connecting with other apostolic people. You, you might have a prophetic bent in you and, and you get along with those other prophetic people, right? You might be evangelistic and you find that you gather around evangel. What's happening is you're finding your matching in DNA in the sense of how God is using you and your gifting. We need all of it together. Every church should be moving in this fivefold DNA of Jesus Christ. Doesn't that make sense, right? We don't have to hire an apostle. Put an ad in the paper, could we have an evangelist? Now, we actually had an evangelist here last week. How many of you know that? How many of you were here, right? Could you see the gift of evangelism on this guy? He was dripping in it. I'm just saying. He was dripping in it, right? Because he's an evangelist to come into the church, and what does he want to activate? Our DNA towards evangelism. And so as a body, we want to actively, that's how we're equipped. God equipped his church to be apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoring, teaching. But what does most of the churches do? Hire a pastor and stay with that. Keep everybody in the sheep pen. Right? That's basically how we run everything. And that's not what God has for us. God would have us to operate in the fivefold, and that's how he's going to accomplish it. Let me give you a quick run-through of what that fivefold means. The apostolic apostolu. That is the name uh, given in early Roman history to the um, admiral of the fleet who would go out and bring the civilization of Rome into another land. He was a culture maker. He would take Roman Uh, civilization and come over into a new continent and he would begin to bring the culture of Rome into that culture. He would set up Roman shops. He would develop Roman language, Roman commerce, Roman economy because the apostle was the forerunner who would go in and set up a culture. Make the culture. The apostle is the culture maker. We bring the culture of the kingdom to bear wherever we are. You establish the culture of Jesus wherever you are in the apostolic. You plant the things of God. The prophetic, that's why it's the thumb. The thumb can touch every finger. It's in contact with each. It's the spine of the DNA of the five-fold ministry. It is the culture maker. It brings the kingdom to bear. The prophet is the pointing finger and says, this is the way we should go. These are instructions from the Lord. This is the rule of God's Spirit. Let's move forward. Can you see this? Can you see where we need to go? And so you have that visionary. You have the one who hears the voice of the Lord and says, let's move forward. This is... The evangelist, it's the farthest reaching finger. And so you always have to have reach. The church should always be looking forward. The church should always be reaching out. Never satisfied to stay in. Never satisfied with we three and no more. We are always knowing that we should send out apostles to plant new culture in our community. And as the prophet would say, get off off your butt and go. And the evangelist would say, let's go. I know where we should go now next the pastor it's the wedding ring finger it's the one who loves and cherishes and cares for the people in this process so we don't leave anybody behind no one gets hurt and wounded while we're doing that it's all right get over it you'll get over it come on let's go and let's stay together and last of all you have the teacher who can get into your ear and instruct us in what the lord is telling us to do and how to live a godly life while we're going forward and the lord says move that's an act of alive church. How many of you know that? This grace was given by God to the church because it is Jesus Himself. For us to lack in the fivefold is to not properly represent Jesus in His fullness, and that is our goal, brothers and sisters, as a church, to represent Jesus in His fullness. Some of you who are apostolic, you're ready to go out and bring the culture into a new area. Some of you who are prophetic, who said, you know, I'm hearing the Lord and he says, bad weather's on the way. Let's let's make sure we're in the right place at the right time. And the evangelist says, all right, I see where the apostles landed. Come on, let's go hit the beachfront and let's set up that culture and make it happen. And the pastor says, I'm with you. I just got to get them coming. Come on, everybody, come on. Let's go stay together and then the teacher says, could I instruct you in this culture and how we need to apply the word of God here? How many of you are with me on this? This is what we are. Amen? Yeah. Aren't you glad? Now we have got to find that heart and find that purpose again in the church. It's God's design. He said, I'll build my church. This is how he said he was going to build it. Now, for us to add a a different route on how this is being done is absolutely foolish. For us to neglect a particular portion of it is absolutely foolish. And so Ephesians 4, after all the grand design of all of it, Paul says, you know what? You need to walk worthy. Walk worthy of your calling. How? Speaking the truth in love so that we grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together every joint, every ligament, is equipped when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Respecting our giftings, respecting each other, a unity and a bond of the Spirit of peace. We're going forward, Christ Community Church. You belong here. You belong to this work of God. You belong to the kingdom of God. We're going to move in the fivefold and we're going to expand to what God would want us to be. What do we want to expand to? I know, let's be a really big building. There's no buildings mentioned in this verse. It's not about a building. Let's have a really big ministry. It's not about a ministry. Who are we going to be built up in? Jesus. Jesus. Can I say our Jesus is too small for this community? Does that make sense to you? Jesus has got to be bigger for this community. How are we going to make Him bigger? By us. We've got to live it. We've got to walk according to this calling. He gave us a five-fold ministry to live it. Let's make Jesus big here. How many of you with me? How many of you want to make Jesus big in this community? Amen? Make Him big in our lives. Make Him big in our house. Make Him big in our communities. That's what is walking worthy of our calling is going to bring us to. Would you stand with me and let us pray.